Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard show Suey winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 175 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast, live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Kevin Bohannon and Porter Hayes, and we thank you guys for joining us. If you're a first-time listener, be sure and hit that subscribe button on whatever form you're listening to. That way you're notified when we release a new episode. And if you could also be so kind, leave us a written review along with some star power. Really helps us get our name out there and reach more people. Got another loaded show for you. We're going to be talking baseball. Of course, basketball as the Hogs will be going dancing, starting off with Colgate, not the toothpaste, from the Patriot League. Uh, starting off with them, the guys that won the Patriot League over the weekend. That'll be our first-round matchup on Friday. But first of all, Cabo, I want to wish a belated happy birthday to your little girl who has celebrated her yeah, first year birthday. first year Thank on this you. earth. I know that that was a lot of fun for you to do, covering some baseball all the while, uh, trying to watch her pound that cake that she was uh, getting into. So it set up just right with the game being at 2 o'clock yesterday. When I told Amber what time of the game was, she was like, so what you're telling me is we should have done the birthday earlier in the day. I was like, no, we'll be okay. I said, it'll be on the background. I said, she'll be in the cake by five, six o'clock, which was about the time the game was already over with. Luckily yesterday was a, a blowout win for the Razorbacks. Uh, today, not so much, but yeah, it was a great weekend with family and friends. And I thank y'all so very much. Uh, y'all are just like family to me. So y'all were there in spirit for sure. Porter, how was oh, your yeah. weekend? I know that uh, you, you you work a lot of weekends, I know, but still did some incredible job, as always, with the softball coverage and the women's sports and all that good stuff. And So uh, how was, was it pretty eventful for you as well? Yeah, you know, with everything going on, you know, the softball team got the sweep over South Carolina, which uh, you know me. I, I love anytime South Carolina loses it, anything. <laughs> and that was pretty sweet. But, yeah, just the track and field winning the national championship, dodging the rain. I was very fortunate to not get rained on too much this weekend. So I'm having to work a lot of weekends now. And between this time, busy time of year and work, it's it's been nuts. But blessed to still have a job, guys. Yeah, that's all you can say, man. I know that it's we still think about all week. We've been hearing about how this time last year, you know, the, the – NCAA tournament was canceled and we've seen all the stuff the memories on Facebook I've been seeing people sharing a bunch of stuff of you know last year they thought that they were going to be teleworking for two weeks I know my girlfriend she's a federal employee so she thought that she was going to be home for about two to three weeks and still at least will be working through at home through July 1st and so we're not quite out of it yet but over 36 million Americans have gotten the vaccination and that is uh it looks like things are working in that favor not trying to get into that discussion but it seems like things are going in the right direction 
seemed that way for quite some time. And then maybe by March 31st, we'll have that mask mandate lifted and, um, you know, get back to even more normalcy. But we're going to get right into the NCAA March Madness talk. And speaking of, our friends at Bet Online have you covered on all your betting needs with March Madness beginning Thursday, plus the NBA and NHL in full swing. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports as they have you covered for all the news scores. And you can always get involved virtually through the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and sign up today for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And guys, Arkansas dropped a tough one to LSU 78-71 to in the SEC tournament semifinals on Saturday, but that is not the ultimate goal as their sights are now set on the big dance where they are going to be playing, as I mentioned, the 14th seed Colgate Raiders on Friday, the champions of the Patriot League, and they can score. We know that. You look at their schedule and you don't really see – I know that they didn't even play the team with the best record in the Patriot League being Navy – but either way, they can score. They're second in the country, averaging 86.4 points per game. That is second behind Gonzaga, right in front of Baylor. And, uh, I mean, they, that's that's really what it boils down to. We know that they can score regardless of whether you look at their schedule and you think that, well, that's some weak competition. I agree with that. But still, 86 points is 86 points. And, Cable, I'll start with you. How do you like this matchup? Well, I know that with Texas Tech in the, the second round, the round of 32, is a really tough matchup. But how do you like it overall in the South region? Uh, it shakes up very well for the Hogs. Um, you know, I told you guys I, I don't like the draw just because this is new for a lot of people in Razorback Nation. I was 13 years old when we won the national title, and, you know, my elementary junior high days were what seed are we going to get, not are we going to get in. So it, it's a new era of Razorback basketball, and a lot of people have made the comment, look, it took must two years, what it usually takes about four to get to where they're at right now. I, I like the matchup. I think we're going to be a little bit more athletic than Colgate. Yeah, they score a lot. Uh, Muss has this team primed for a defensive showdown. So uh, I think we've played great on defense of late. You know, we didn't see the, the early games in the SEC play where LSU and Bama were hitting 15 and 33s a game uh, down the stretch. So I think we come out very well, which sets up with one of the best second-round matchups uh, in the tournament, according to SB Nation and a lot of other people that are talking about with the potential of Texas Tech with Chris Beer that used to be at, at Little Rock uh, against the Razorbacks. So, but you, you never know. Uh, the, the, the region I feel really sorry for is the Midwest. Illinois got the death draw being in there with Oklahoma State, Tennessee, Houston, Syracuse. I mean, you just look up and down that those 16 teams and it's just pick them. You got Loyola Chicago with uh-huh. Yeah, dream on, baby, yeah. Well, and, and looking at who they got to face, you know, they got the Texas Tech. with They have Mac McClung, which, you know, Arkansas was after him as a transfer to come to Arkansas last year. He chose to go to Texas Tech, plus Chris Beard, their coach, Arkansas. So there's some Arkansas ties in between that second-round matchup. The reason why I'm not too concerned about this Colgate is – you look at their schedule. Yeah, you're looking at the teams, but they had to play these teams back-to-back. So they played Army back-to-back. They played Bucknell back-to-back. They played one of those schedules that, you know, they would play like Friday, Saturday, you know, same team. Kind of like the Sun Belt, yeah. Yeah, and, and kind of like what the volleyball team did this year. They would play ten, – like they just got done playing Tennessee. You know, they played them on Saturday, and then they played on Sunday. So – 
there, there's not a lot to talk away from it. I mean, it's still a, one of the mid-major schools that when they get into the tournament, they can cause noise. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be a, a, a complete walkover. But Arkansas is not your traditional three seed. When you think of three seed, you're thinking of them blue bloods that are in the tournament every year. They walk into the tournament expecting to get to the Sweet 16. This team's not. They're hungry. I think they really, you know, took away from that loss against LSU. And Musk wasn't too happy about it. And, and that shows me that, you know, they're not going to settle. They're not okay with, okay, let's take a loss now, and then we'll prepare for the NCAA tournament. He was just as mad as that loss yesterday as he was when they were two and four in conference. And what word we got from Sully is, you know, per Ruta, they already had Colgate, you know, figured out. They already had them pinned. He spent five hours on a bus trip doing some prep. And, it, guys, it's Sunday. So they don't play till what, Friday? Yeah. So they play Friday. He's got – he already got a scouting report. Now he has five days to prepare for them. So I think they're going to be okay. It's a tough draw, but you know what? This is the big dance. You can get anybody's best on any given day. So I'm happy for them. They deserve it. And let's see what they can do. And I think that they're going to blow them out of the water. I think it is going to be about 20 points. Now, as soon as we got this seating, I did look up because the first thing that I heard about them was that they could score. So I looked up the stats and I saw that they were second in the country. But then I also looked at their schedule. I tweeted out that they were the second ranked team in the uh, second uh, ranked offense in the country before I had uh, looked to see who they had played and and their league and all that stuff from the Patriot League. But I, I'm with you, Porter. They've got all this time. Ruta is second to none in scheduling and scout this coaching staff is second to none and the way had how detailed they they schedule things i mean not just with the games with recruiting with with their social media the 65,000 interactions show that so i would not be shocked if maybe they come out and maybe i'd say for the first 5 6 7 minutes they might hit a couple of threes on us cuz they're pumped up but then once we put that stifling defense on them once Jalen Tate gets in their ear once Moses Moody a lottery pick is just too much for them i think that it's just going to be blowing the doors off at at that point the Razorbacks are probably going to win this game by 15 or 20 points and I got a question for you guys if you look at the, the three line and that was what Joe Lenardi puts out he kind of ranks every team one through 68 and Arkansas is bunched in there with three big 12 teams you got Kansas that's in the west you got uh, Texas that's in the east and then you got uh, West Virginia that's in the Midwest how do y'all feel we stack up against those teams comparatively because it looked on the outside looking in, it looks kind of like a, a weak three line for a lot of people. Kyle, you go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I would. I would honestly say I love Bob Huggins. I love his style of play. He's an extremely aggressive coach. Done what he's done all these years, but I, I would probably say that I like. Uh, so I mean, I, I would probably take us over West Virginia. I would say for sure. And then Kansas, I don't really like. I, I think that there's some stuff there. Well, we know there's stuff going on behind the scenes. I think that that could right. possibly play into that. I don't think that this is Kansas of normal. I understand they got the three seed, but I still would like us over them. Texas, man, I don't know. I, I don't really ever trust the Big 12. I, I just don't. And it's not just, I'm not really one of those guys either that relies on history to make my picks. But at the same time, I'm really not sure exactly what we have in Texas. And, and it's like that every year in college basketball. You'll see all kinds of – it's just like how the Razorbacks come out 
or well, well again, the Razorbacks did come out really hot against Missouri, and then they start. They, it was just a game of runs, like it always is. But you look at Alabama and Tennessee. That game, we all thought that Tennessee was going to come out, or that Alabama was going to come out and just completely blow them out of the water. And Tennessee comes out. I think it's fifteen points at the half, and then Alabama, of course, comes back. They win the SEC championship. But Texas is a lot like that to me. It's I've, the couple of times that I've seen them this year, they've either looked really good or just not good at all. So. I think with the consistency that Arkansas has had, especially over the past 13, 14 games, won 12 of those, I think that losing against LSU probably could be the best thing for them. I think we might have talked about this in the group chat on Saturday because instead of yeah. having to win 18 in a row, 18, 19 in a row to win a national championship, you've only got to win six. So that, that monkey's off your back right there. And plus, it would have been great to win an SEC championship. Don't get me wrong, we hadn't won one in 20 years. But you also have to think about the fact that you're not gonna, you weren't gonna move up a line. You were a three there. And Cabo, I know you and I are having to eat crow about that. We had said that Arkansas would have to win the SEC tournament to get a three seed. I'm happy to eat that crow. I have put some extra ranch right. on it, and yep. I'm completely fine with it. But either way, I think that the Hogs, out of any three seed, are without question in, in the best position possible. Well, and I think with you know just the. I guess the excitement and the popularity that Musselman in Arkansas, I mean, they kind of capture the nation, you know, and, and the Lenati was about them. Our, our buddy Aaron Torres was raving about them. They started getting a lot of notoriety. So I think that had a lot to do where they placed him in that third seat because you look at these other ones that they stuck them with the Gonzaga or whatever, you know, the Illinois. You don't want to be in the Illinois side. I think this Baylor region – with all these teams matches up because other than Ohio state that has a lot of bigs, you know, that's the one team that you get in that big 10, they got a lot of bigs and that's where we struggle to match up with you. You get a couple of bigs that could just pound you inside. So I think that helped them get the favorable three seed and how they match up against the other three seeds. I think they would go fairly well because of that defense. They, they could pick you up at half court and just stifle you, wear you down and now we got to look at with the SEC tournament, they had to play back-to-back games. Now you're yeah. going into a similar spot where you're playing in a Friday and a Sunday. You can give all your 40 minutes rest today and be ready to go on Sunday. So that's really where it's going to be favorable. And another thing is they're going to a centralized location. You're not going to be going out to Spokane, Washington and playing in the Gonzaga region or playing somebody like a Colgate way out in Washington. And then you got to come back to Dallas try to win there, and then you move on more to the Final Four. So there's going to be a lot of rest involved, and there's going to be a lot of anxiousness to get on the court because they're going to be locked in their hotel rooms. You know, they're going to get fed there. Only time I think they come out is to, you know, meetings and practice. So I'm interested to see. This is going to overall be a very interesting tournament and see how all these teams adjust to this new bubble that, you know, they – wasn't able to do next or last year, so I'm excited about the tournament and see what happens. And I'll, I'll just say this: the NCAA tournament committee saw it like we did. Arkansas was the top three seed when they when they seeded them out one through sixty eight. They were right on that verge of getting on the two line. So I'm with you guys. I think Arkansas has got the best shot of any of the three seeds to make it to the Sweet Sixteen. So. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up real quick because I know that's one thing that a lot of Razorback fans will be talking about. Plus, Oklahoma State has to have a chip on their shoulder. You got three teams that aren't playing as well as they are down the stretch in your own conference that were seated higher than you. 
And you know you can take them to school any day of the week with Cade Cunningham. Would you guys consider it a coincidence or an irony that we're on not just the same side of the bracket that North Carolina is, but they are actually an eight seed <laughs> this year? So if we if we happen to end up playing irony, them, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be in the Elite Eight. So maybe since yeah. it's not that first weekend, if if it just so happens that way, it's a very small chance that we do see that happen. But if so, maybe that we can finally get them. I don't know. Have we ever beaten them in the NCAA tournament? I, I don't know that we had. Yes, of course, final, final Four, 1995. 90, okay, so yep. 95 to go to play UCLA. Okay, so as we lost in, I know we lost in the Sweet 16 in 93. They ended up going and playing, which Michigan fans uh, hate me talking about North Carolina in 93 based on how that went down. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't remember if, we, if we'd had or not. But, but, yeah, I think that that's one that Arkansas fans were certainly looking for was North, where North Carolina was going to be because you knew that they were playing better basketball and they were going to get in the tournament. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, of course, it would only be fitting that they are on our side. But, guys, I think the thing that I'm looking at the most is I'm not really too concerned. I know that turn the ball over a lot against LSU. We've had a couple of games where that's happened, and he didn't hit the free throws that you should have hit. Those are, of course, the things, since it was the last game, that people are going to be looking for against Colgate and in the NCAA tournament overall. I think that that was a little bit of a result of just being fatigued. Now, I understand that that Alabama played an extra game, and LSU obviously had to play a game before uh, they played us in the quarterfinals. When they, I think it was Ole Miss that they played. But that Mizzou matchup, we said it. Multiple people said it. That was probably the worst matchup for Arkansas that you could think of, and it was just a all-out dogfight. And you didn't have one of your crucial big men who you really needed against Kobe Brown and and against Jeremiah Tillman. And so, again, I don't really think that the SEC – most people weren't really too hurt that we lost yesterday. Yeah, it's like, oh, man, it sucks, but it's it's not the end of the world. And so – I'm not really sure what kind of game shape Jalen Williams is going to be in. I still think he's going to give you some good minutes, but you got to be really happy with the way Ethan. Hen- so Ethan Henderson, I really I wanted to bring this up because I was thinking about this when he was playing. So when he's on the floor, because he really outside of the SEC tournament, we haven't seen him much this year at all. And so when you're on the floor, you're watching his every move, and you don't really see him put up like just light the boards up or anything like that, but he gets the blocks when you need it. He makes some sort of disruption in the paint. That's what Justin Smith has done all year if he is not scoring baskets, if he's not getting rebounds, but you don't notice those little things as much because he's on the floor so much and because he's such a big part of this team. But I wanted to say that about Ethan. I mean, Justin Smith, I I know that uh, (laughs) – don't don't tell Zach Arns that he's possibly the glue guy. He's not the glue guy. He is one of the biggest parts of your team. But, uh, yeah, Zach Zach does not like that word whatsoever. But but I wanted to bring that up about Ethan because – He's, he's another big guy that's playing some great minutes right there, and he might not get the kind of time that he's been getting with when, when Jalen comes back. Now, I still think that he will get some time because, again, Jalen's probably not going to be in that tip-top game shape that he needs to be in for a full 40 minutes. I think he normally plays, what, 18 to 20 a game or something like that uh, normally. But, but, but that's the thing is you just continually have these guys step up. And, guys, I'm going to say this right now. I think that Desi Seals is going to come off. I don't know what game. Maybe it'll be against Tech. Maybe it'll be against Colgate. But I think Desi Seals is going to come off the bench and light it up for it, maybe three or four threes. I, I see. I think that he is due for that. He has had a couple of really big games, South Carolina, 
both Auburn games. I, I think he played pretty well against – I can't remember if it was him or Vance that played really – I know Vance played really well against Tennessee. I think Desi did as well. But after that shoulder injury, he just has not really had it outside of South Carolina. So I think that Desi is due for a really big game, and I'm calling it now. I think that he is really going to go off and and one of the NCAA tournament games that we play in. And I want I want to add real quick about Ethan. What does that say about the chemistry and the culture that's going on in Arkansas? Kid doesn't get much playing time during the season, but when he's put in, he gives 100%. You know, he goes out and he balls out. He gives everything he's got to, to make the team better. And that's what we need more. And I'm not saying these people who opt out because they want to better, you know, to go better themselves at another school, What kind of like what we talked about, like how Franks, you know, did the grad transfer and all that. But he could have easily just gave up, sat on the end of the bench, pouted, and just not got to play. Now look at what's happening in clutch time when they really need him. He's been getting some big buckets. He's been getting those trash, you know, what we call trash men, getting those boards, getting everything off the glass that others can't. And and what when Jalen out, that's what we really need was another big to give you those key minutes to, even if it's four or five minutes, to come in and give somebody a breather and you give those quality minutes and to get you into halftime. So, that says a lot about his character, and he really wants to be a hog. And it shows to other people coming that just because you sit on the bench, you're still just as much as part of the team as the starting five. Yeah, that's buy-in. That, that's buy-in to a program and to a philosophy that Eric Musselman has instilled in these young men. And you can see it in the football program. When we talked about Pro Day last week with Jerry Jacobs saying it was the, one of the biggest mistakes and I regret I will have for the rest of my immediate future. So you're, you're starting to see that buy and you see it with baseball. And now you're seeing it with basketball and Pittman is getting and going with football. And it's just the Razorback athletic program as a whole now. And, of course, we will get into more tournament talk as the week goes on. I'm sure there will be more headlines. And as we are recording, I just I don't know if you guys got this notification, but it looks like I don't know who it is. But speaking of Kansas, we were talking about a second ago, Bill Self says that there are three players that will not make the trip to Indianapolis. I would imagine that's three players of key if, if it's uh, breaking news on ESPN. I don't have that right in front of me right now. So that's something that's going to be a headline through the week as well. Kansas is a three seed not taking – three players with them. Who knows? It could be three walk-ons. I don't know, but uh, that's something that I just got here. And by the time that this drops, it's probably going to be completely irrelevant information. So with that, we're going to go to some recruiting before we go uh, off to a break. I know on Friday's show, we talked a little bit about some of the three recruits that we got last Saturday. So I guess at this point when it drops, it'll be nine days ago. And uh, that was, of course, Andrew Chambly, offensive tackle from Maumelle, James Joyner, Running back from Parkview, and then uh, was it uh, K- Caden Henley? Is that his name from? I was, yeah, yeah, Caden Henley, Shiloh. I couldn't remember. Yeah. If it, I couldn't remember if it was Cade uh, or Caden, but yeah, from Shiloh Christian, uh, linebacker that committed on Wednesday, just hours after being offered. And also wanted to talk about. So I mentioned on Friday show that five out of the ten offers for the Razorbacks are now committed. So as far as five of the the, the other ones now, Caden Turner, he's a linebacker from Fayetteville. He committed to Indiana. And also Fayetteville wide receiver Isaiah Sategna will be headed to College Station to play for the Aggies. One to watch for, though, Clarendon athlete Quincy McAdoo. Now, he committed to Florida State about two months ago. I don't know what's going on with that, really, but if if Twitter is any kind of indication, there could possibly be a flip. <laughs> yeah. James Joyner uh, has been a very – even whenever he uh, he wasn't even committed – 
I know that he was doing a pretty decent job under the table of of getting some guys uh, recruiting to try to get them to stay home, and it seems like he's really doing that with Quincy as well. If you uh, if you follow him on Twitter, you'll see that just some really cryptic messages there. So who knows? Stay tuned for that. You, you never know what could happen. The other two, Nico Davile, who is a, a Maumel defensive lineman, he's got all kinds of big offers. UGA, OU. I don't know whether he'll be a Razorback or not. I do know he is Baton Rouge born and bred. He is originally. Now, he did move. Yeah. His family uh, did, I know, moved when he was like one or two. They were uh, Katrina refugees, and they ended up staying here. He, he had told me that and when I talked to him this summer. I, again, I, I'd have talked to him about his top choices. He hasn't released any, so I can't say whether or not he's going to go to Arkansas or not. But I, I do feel pretty good about Amari and Harris. He was another one that I'd mentioned last weekend. Bama offered him when he was in ninth grade. He's also got Georgia. He's also got OU, a massive offensive tackle. He's about 6'6", 315, 320, son of former Razorback Elliot Harris. I feel like he could be maybe, if he's not the next in-state guy to recruit, I feel like that he's one to watch out for that we could get. But the next one that is probably going to be for the 2022 class, unless something crazy happens, is Faison Wilson, a 6'4", 210 wide receiver out of Lancaster, Texas. Four-star, 45th wide receiver, has Bama, Texas, A&M, Auburn. He was originally planning on committing in April, but as of now has moved that up to March 25th, and all signs are pointing to him becoming a hog. Guys, he's like the kind of caliber that, that Keytron Jackson was. For this class in terms of ranking now, I don't know how they compare like his overall players but I know they're similar size as far as height goes and so you could expect him to be the next Razorback commit and another one that could commit here in the next couple of weeks or months finally last but not least is Josh White a 6'5 248 pound defensive end out of Cedar Grove High School now he is a teammate of running back commit Rashad DeBinion Jimmy Smith, the running backs coach, that's where his former high school is that he won a few state championships, so he's just continuing to build that pipeline. He's narrowed it down to Arkansas, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Ohio State, Nebraska, and Mississippi State. Uh, so some pretty big schools right there, and and all these guys that we just mentioned have a really good chance of becoming hogs. Uh, again, I'm not really sure where Nico is. I'm not 100% sure where Quincy McAdoo is, if he will stay to that Florida State, so I am not making any kind of assumptions whatsoever. I'm just talking here. But, guys – it's looking like right now, this class, uh, per 247 sports, they're 18th in the country and 5th in the SEC. And I really do think that they can finish pretty high once it's all said and done. Now, we've got a long way to go, but I feel really good about it. Yeah, you got to like that. And if you look at the average rating, you're at 86.67 right now. Last year was 87.19. I think you'll add to that once you get somebody like Faison Wilson in. Uh, Nico Devalier. Uh from what I've seen and read and heard, talking to a few people, I, I would look in the, the Auburn to Georgia, maybe LSU region uh, for, for that commitment. I, I'm with you, Kyle. I don't think he's a Razorback. But we did get some really good news about a former, former Kendall Bryles commit when he was at Florida State University. Kyle, you got some info on that? Which one was – you broke out on me a little bit. Well, which one was that again? Oh, yeah, the, the wide receiver from Florida State that's transferring oh, to Arkansas. So Quincy uh, – oh, oh, no, you're talking – oh, that was that guy. Man, you know what? I completely failed you guys. I forgot all about writing yeah, – I know that he was – I'm, I'm pulling it up real quick. He's a Kendall Bryles signee whenever he was there in 2018. I'm having to scroll down our page here because – okay, here we go. Warren Thompson. Uh, so, he announced yeah. on Whole Hog – Thompson was the 28th-ranked wide receiver, uh, 157th overall in 2018. And then, of course, like I mentioned, he signed 
with Kendall Browse. I know that he hasn't gotten a lot of playing time uh, when he's been there, but uh, some of that I, I've heard. There's a couple of uh, guys of listeners that are actually there's two I know that are that are Florida State fans, and they mentioned to me that he has some problems with his attitude. Now, you know that's what they said. That's what they apparently been hearing from the inside. I don't know how accurate that is. But maybe just some problems getting along with coaches. But I know that there's been a lot. That, there's been a lot of turmoil. You got to take that with a grain of salt. There's been a lot of stuff that has went on within the coaching staff, whether it be Willie Taggart, whether it be whoever it may be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure how I'm into that. We look. We thought the same thing with Felipe Franks, and I said that too. I said that his character was a concern because it was at the time with some of the stuff that he did at Florida, shushing the crowd. The way that he talked to reporters sometimes, it was definitely a concern. Now, he proved that he has matured and that he is great, that he was very mature and was an incredible leader. You can't really say anything negative about the guy whatsoever as a person or as a player. So I I really do trust that Sam Pittman is going to do his due diligence and make sure that it is clear, look, you come into our program, you're going to do what we tell you to do. Uh, And that's just really what it boils down to. So. Uh, you know, I don't know a lot about Warren Thompson, but I do know that coming out of high school, he was uh, he was pretty hyped. And so, but either way, you, you can't help to it can't hurt to have. I mean, that that wide receiver room is going to be extremely loaded. So, very excited uh, to about well, all that competition, man. A healthy competition is extremely good thing. So, well, we are up against a break. Once we get back, we will talk some baseball. I know the Razorbacks had a heartbreaker on Sunday, losing their first game of the year, and we're bringing back our Hog House non-performer of the week. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for through our friends at eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go for the pair you have been eyeing eBay's authenticity guarantees your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators that verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. The guarantee also protects sellers with a verified return process. Selling fees have even been eliminated on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com, call us at 501-428-0877, or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. 
We're back on to episode number 175 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland, Porter Hayes, and Coach Cabo here with you, and we're going to discuss the baseball series that just concluded in Ruston over the weekend. Again, as I had mentioned before the break, the Hogs did drop their first game of the season 2 to nothing on Sunday against the Bulldogs. They won the series, winning nine to seven on Friday, and then taking care of business Saturday, eight to one. And Friday we were up three to nothing. The Bulldogs then scored seven runs in the fifth to seventh innings, and we were able to rally as we have seen the Hogs do so many times in this young season, winning in extra innings. Again, took care of business Saturday. Then Sunday just could not get the bats going, going two of twenty nine from the plate. Cabo, you really can't take anything away from Louisiana Tech pitcher Jared. Was it Rorf? W H O R. Yeah, Rorf. Yeah, you know, you know how I am with uh, pronunciations. He had some great stuff. Goody had a two out double in the first inning, and and you were hoping we could build off of that, but it just wasn't our day down there. And you're going to have those sometimes, but they're in great position going into the OU game and then heading into conference play with Alabama next week. Yeah, baseball's a funny game, and as I said on the buzz last week. Nobody in baseball, at least college baseball and pro baseball, is going to go undefeated. Mark it in permanent marker if you want to. It's not going to happen, especially in the SEC. You've seen Oregon State over the past five, ten years. They'll come into the tournament with a 52-6 and six record, something like that, go 24-3 and three out there on the left coast in, in the conference in the Pac-12 that's just gotten weaker over the years. But this is going to happen, and as I've said on this pod and, and before, if you go two out of three or three out of four in a weekend series, you're going to maintain the highest ranking that you've gotten right now. That's what wins you national championships is winning series. And we saw we saw some resiliency again on Friday night. Jalen Battles, who came into the game as one of the only starters that main starters that hasn't had a home run yet, and he launched one that bounced off the apartment building back there. 400-foot bomb. It just yeah, dropped. I, I, well, I just, sorry to interrupt you. I just got a text, and they said that it finally dropped. So we are good to go on there. <laughs> yeah, NASA finally saw it off the radar. Yeah, that was just an absolute missile. But you, you saw what Louisiana Tech was doing to our batters on Friday night. They were trying to pound in, in, in. And when they went into Caden Wallace, he deposited one over the left field, over the retaining wall out there as well. So, you know, he had a really good first two games. Of course, today, nobody hit. They only had two hits. Uh, Matt Goodhart in the first inning had a double. Casey Opitz in the second inning had a single, and that was it. Jarrett Worf did a great job of mixing up pitches. His changeup was very effective against both right and left-handed hitters. And when you can make it dance and work against both sides of the plate, that's when you know you're effective. His fastball was, it wasn't anything special. He worked 90 to 91 out of the windup and 87, 89 out of the stretch. So it was his ability to mix in three pitches. The first two innings when he went through the lineup, he threw a lot of cutters and sliders. So he was able to throw it away from the righties and away from the lefties. That's how you become effective as a right-handed pitcher, work both sides of the plate. So pitching this weekend, uh, two clap, two claps and a Ric Flair for my man Zeb Batron Vermillion. He had yes. a great yes. showing on Saturday. Uh, what Coach Van Horn and Coach Hobbs saw out of him last week during his couple inning uh, out of the bullpen, and they wanted to give him another start and see if they could trust him going into SEC play. Went eight innings, pitched to contact, pitched up in the zone where he got a lot of fly ball outs. He only had two strikeouts, so he's pitching the contact. And I will say this. Louisiana Tech has a built-in home field advantage at the start yeah, of every game, start of every series. Up. Yeah. So 
I talked to our, our, our friends of the show, Phil Elson, Bubba Carpenter the other day. And cause I was a little concerned after Jackson Wiggins threw the other night, he did hit 99 miles per hour, which was awesome, but he struggled with command and having coach Jackson, I know he struggles on turf and that's what their mound is. It's an all turf field. Some places that have turf have dirt mounds. That is the right thing to do because you need dirt in baseball, but the, the mound on the field was not very high and high mounds typically favor pitchers better because you get more tilt on the fastball. If you notice Peyton Paulette was a little flatter on his fastball, even Zeb Vermillion was really flat, but he was up in the zone and very effective. Our mound in the visitors dug in the visitors bullpen is a really, really big slope. Jackson Wiggins said you had to get a ski lift to go up to it. I think so was his exact words. And then the Louisiana tech bullpen was more like the game field. So, it's a built-in home field advantage. You hate to see something like that. They think you can get a little bit more advantage out there like that, especially with the dimensions of the ballpark being very hitter-friendly. When you have a flat mound, that's going to tend to, you know, more home runs. But, guys, y'all can correct me on this. If, and if I'm wrong, Louisiana Tech hit zero home runs this weekend. Zero. With, so, the with, with 350 yeah. down the line and 350 left center. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's in your home <laughs> ballpark. You couldn't hit it out of a softball field. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you said that about the softball field, it made me laugh because I was like, yeah, I know you and I have hit it at 315 at least yeah, one or two times like in our life. <laughs> or Dupree Park, man. Yeah. Um, very proud of them. I think, you know, you saw Caden Wallace. He had five hit, hit three hits in the second game, went three for four. He went two for three and on the first night, had two home runs in the series. He's going to be up for freshman of the week this week. So I think they're playing really well right now. Oklahoma uh, comes to Fayetteville on Tuesday. They will wrap up a series with Arkansas State tomorrow, having played three games in two days and then turn around and have to go to Fayetteville. So we will catch a very tired Oklahoma Sooner team when they come to Fayetteville on Tuesday. One thing I want to really add is, you know, guys, and I've mentioned this before, and Cabo, you you can agree or disagree with me. It's all about winning the series. You you get those series wins. You're you're going to drop ones. Look at LSU. They had to go nine, ten innings with the University of Texas San Antonio. I mean, it took a home run to tie it up. And then they hit another bomb in the tent to end it. I mean, the, look at all the teams that are losing. Look at the top five, how Arkansas even got the number one ranking. It's going to happen. And, and for these people that just go and lose their minds after a loss, and, and La Tech is not, you know, they're not chumps. They're a decent ball team. You know, we were expecting to, you know, to win the series, but we knew we were going to probably drop one. But, Kevin, what I want to ask you is, is there a huge difference between dropping game one or post to game three? Because if you take the series in the first two games, can you not kind of bring in some of your role players, different pitches? Do, do they not kind of use that to um, – now that you know you got the series in check, don't you use some of that to develop your other players? Yeah, and I guess you could have – and I would go with that train of thought if you would have saw Dylan Leach today instead of Casey Opitz. Or Jacob Nesbitt at third instead of Cullen Smith. Because Cullen struggled the other night with four strikeouts, but he brings something to the lineup, and Coach Van Horn really likes it. Uh, he stayed with the same lineup all three games. Sands, the, the nine hole, I think Braden Webb was in there. Zach Gregory was in there. They're kind of interchangeable right now. Uh, 
Uh, did hit a very hard ball to the shortstop the other day for his first hard contact of the year. So he's really trying to get him going. They're going to have to figure out the left field spot because that's the only weak spot in the lineup right now. Uh, but but to your point, Porter, you, you put more pressure on yourself after if you lose that first game. And I think you saw that with Louisiana Tech yesterday. They were really impatient. They were swinging. I mean, Zeb Vermillion got two two pitches, two outs. And they were really chasing pitches the other day on, on Saturday. And he had to call timeout in the bottom of the first inning to, for his three-hole hitter, Parker Bates, who's a preseason All-American, to say, take your pitches, get your pitch that you can hit, and make a good swing on it. Because this is a really good hitting lineup. And every, we saw that. They had 13 hits on Friday night. They had five today uh, at key times. So it's a good swing and lineup. But, yeah, they were pressing a lot on Saturday. And that played right into Zeb's hands because he was able to, you know, throw it up there in the zone that he knew they were going to swing. And at, you know, 91, 92 at the right above the belt, it's hard to get out, you know, get a hit on that, get on top of that fastball. So, yeah, you put more pressure on yourself if you lose the first game. And I think you saw that, and that, that played right into Arkansas's hands, being able to take the series. And, you know, Rogers has already come out and said there won't be a new number one this week. So, Hogs will maintain that number one ranking for another That's week. That's what I wanted to clarify. I yeah. was talking kind of like yeah. from the ranking side. Does it yeah. do better to hold your ranking if you've done take the got the first two games and then you drop that game three? I mean, it looks better from a ranking standpoint. Well, not really because you got your ace on Friday night. And if you're a mid-major school all the way up to a power five school, if you got a Friday night guy, it's a true Friday night guy and he's likely a draft pick. So, it's taken kind of with a grain of salt. Uh, some some pollsters will really dissect that. Look, oh well, they lost the first one, so let, let's you know that that may not play a part. But they lost the third one; they didn't play everybody. But this early in the season, I really don't think it matters as much as. But I see your point in that, and it, it can be taken uh, either way, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, well, I want to go back to left field. I've asked you about that the last two, three weeks. We just can't seem to get that figured out at the plate. It's not that Gregory or Webb, we know what he can do defensively. Gregory, he got on base just about every single time against Murray State. He's pretty effective at the plate. But Webb, I think he was like 0 for 6 this weekend, and everybody was bad on Sunday. But what do you do right there? I mean, I know that the DVH is just really wanting to get Webb out of that slump, but – do you just continue to go? Because I know usually it's been Friday, Webb, Saturday, Sunday, Gregory, but this time it was Webb, Gregory, Webb. Do you just keep on moving it around until somebody finally gets it going? What What do you do there? You go based on matchups at this point and what gives you the best chance to win games. So we know Zach Gregory is more of an opportunistic ball player. He can lay down the bunt. Uh, both of them are, are good on the bases. They're they're quick. They have some wheels. Webb is the better defender. So here, here's my scenario: on Friday nights, you're going to be in usually a tough, tight ball game because you got both aces going. You got lower score ball, lower scoring ball games. You sacrifice a little less offense for a little more defense out there. He's already proven that he can go up against the wall and make a catch and be big time out there. Lay out for diving catches. So you probably see that. I could kind of see that's Coach Van Horn's way of thinking. But I'm one of those guys you never want to sacrifice part of your lineup just for defense. But at that level, you probably got to do it knowing that he has it in himself because he was a 380 hitter at one point last year and then hit 400 in JUCO before he transferred over. 
So he has that ability to do it. He just, he's just not doing it right now. He has to break out of it. Uh, we've seen some really good hitters going through some really bad slumps. The problem is he's doing it through the first part of the year, and he's one for 22 now, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, you, you can go matchups. You can go righty-lefty because you got Gregory who bats from the left side and Webb from the right. And at some point, if you're not getting the production you need, you have to look at the freshman. You have to look at Ethan Bates or Zach White. Ethan has, you know, he has a little bit of ways to go because he was brought up as an infielder and he's just now gotten to really play outfield over the past year. He played shortstop in high school, played outfield in summer ball. So he's going to have to get some more reps out there before they can feel absolutely comfortable. But he does bring an element of pop to the lineup. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He can hit, hit the ball to the gaps. He's got a really good left-handed swing. So look to see what they do against Oklahoma. If you see one of the freshmen in there, that that will kind of be an indication of, yeah, we need to get these guys some reps to see what they can do. That was what I was going to ask there. The next one, uh, you talked about getting some guys in there. For I, I wasn't sure if you were referring to OU or not, but who are some guys that we should be looking for? Well, I know you mentioned that they were going to be really tired or you would expect them to coming off what they are, but is there any pitchers? I actually haven't taken a single look at their scouting normally on the weekend games. I've done pretty good at, at checking that out, but I have not looked once at OU. I know that they don't have Kate Cavalli anymore. Uh, was it Olds that they also had that was another good pitcher last year? Who are maybe some pitchers? Who are some guys at the plate that we should be looking out for if you've taken a look at that already? Yeah, Treadway. Treadway. It's T-R-E-D-A-W-A-Y. He's a really good hitter. I know he had some really good at-bats against Oklahoma State, this, or sorry, Arkansas State this weekend. Uh, other than, I mean, they lost to Arkansas State today, so that should be all you need to see right there. They're down a little bit more this year. Like you said, they don't have Kate Cavalli, and I'm trying to bring up their stats right now. It's loading pretty quick here. Uh, but, yeah, you won't see any of the frontline guys. You're liable to see uh, some of the younger guys. I know Kate Horton was one they were really high on this year. He, he was a two-way prospect um, out of the Oklahoma area, but he's having Tommy John surgery this year, so he's out. That was one of the guys that I was really – looking forward to seeing Arkansas play against. So uh, you're going to see some freshmen, some sophomores, some guys that really haven't got in on the weekends. And then as far as the lineup goes, you got guys like Tyler Hardman. He's hitting 442 on the year. Tanner Treadaway, who I mentioned. Then you got Connor McKenna. He's hitting 314. Peyton Graham's hitting over 300. And then Jimmy Crooks as well. So they're hitting 298 as a team, which is a little bit better than Arkansas right now, but their pitchers are getting hit pretty well at a 267 clip their era right now is 6.97 that's not good for a power five team mm-hmm. and that they've given up quite a few home runs on the year let me see here uh yep 16 home runs on the year they've only hit 11 so not a, not not the quality oklahoma team you've seen in the past uh so they might give up the long ball but as we said this is baseball anything could happen but it won't be a normal game. Midweek games are always kind of iffy because you want to get guys some reps and some work in. Expect Dylan Leach for us to get the start. Uh, and another guy to look for that came in and was big in the game the other day was Charlie Welch. He hasn't been behind the plate yet, but he's been really big from the right-handed back. Coach Van Horn likes his swing. He may get a shot in the outfield. They moved him out there in preseason and some of the fall. But, and since you got two catchers back there, the, the reps are going to be limited. Charlie Welch may get his opportunity to go play outfield. 
And you got to think, what are we at right now? Eighteen? Is it like nineteen, twenty home runs? Uh, yeah, we will hit four, so we're at twenty-one. Twenty. All right. So you think with that right there, and more, Robert Moore after having a really big weekend last weekend, he was two for fifteen, two strikeouts over the weekend. Christian Franklin just two for twelve. You know, you got to know the top of the lineup right there is salivating and knowing that they've got no – after this weekend, they've got really nowhere to go but up, and they are going to really try to feast on a tired Oklahoma team. And that game will be on SEC Network at 5 o'clock on Tuesday, as Cabo said, March 16th. So we can finally actually have one where we're not going to have to stream it. We can watch it if you have cable and just the basic sports package. You can watch it on SEC Network That's right. at 5 o'clock. <laughs> at 5 o'clock, assuming we don't have a, a time change, but as of right now. so. Yeah. All right, for our final segment, we have the Hog House Non-Performer of the Week. Start the music here. All right, guys, so I sent y'all this. I really don't tweet out of anger that often. I usually try to keep that stuff uh, either direct messages or something like that. I just don't like to put it out in public, but I had to call this out. So UCA women, they were playing Lamar in the third round of the Southland Conference Tournament on Friday night. They won 69-65. Well, Sugar Bear guard Savannah Walker. She crosses half court, goes to her right, and as, as she's doing that, she's going being followed by Lamar guard Angel Hastings. Hastings gives her a little bit of a grab slash kind of a push from behind, and they get face to face, as you could imagine. Meanwhile, the other two player, or two other players from Lamar, gang up and start pushing, to which everyone has to be separated at that point. Now, UCA moved on, and Savannah was not able to play in the semis. Uh, the Southland Conference did not allow her to. The refs upheld their their ejection in the game they ejected three girls and they ended up losing uca lost to sfa the number one seed in the semifinals but there are so many people to point fingers at right now but i'm going to give the non-performer title in thirds so i'm going to give one third to the refs for not being right at first to clean this mess up the southland second follow not following through and giving her the chance to play because if it was not for this extra year that they're going to be given because of COVID, her college career, now she's, she might go get a chance to play overseas, but her college career would be over. And finally, Lamar AD, Marco Bourne, for halfway admitting players on one of his teams were in the wrong. He basically said that he agreed with all three ejections, but he didn't like that UCA or people associated with UCA taking to Twitter to voice their frustrations. And you know, I just completely disagree with that. They were Sandra Rushing, the coach of UCA. I admire her for coming on and defending her player. But uh, if you see the video, guys, uh, it's just completely unacceptable. And I, I feel terrible for Savannah for what happened. It's just just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I didn't see it. I just happened to see what, what you tweeted. And then when you got a you know an athletic director coming out and saying stuff like that, I mean, you got to be professional and just nip it in the butt. And you can't go after so it's kind of a, a hypocrisy. You're going against another school saying don't go to Twitter when you went to Twitter. <laughs> Makes no sense. Yeah. Makes yeah, no sense. Exactly. I mean, you're tweeting because another team went to Twitter. So that disregards everything. And plus you're the A D. You spoke you're supposed to be the head guy at that university. You represent that university. And whether I, like I said, I hadn't seen the film, hadn't seen anything. I don't even know exactly, you know, what had happened other than seeing a little bit on Twitter today. Is, you know, you you got to do your due process, but don't go to social media because you're, especially Twitter, you're, you're not going to solve anything. There's no committee. There's no rules committee on Twitter. Yeah, I would. I was trying to go back through Twitter and read exactly what Marco had said and what I said to it, but he blocked me, so I can't do that. 
I, the only been, thing I think was the second part. I couldn't yeah. ever see the first part. Only seen the second part and then trying to go back. I, so I couldn't ever do I you just, know the proper. Well, I, see just, exactly I just happened, happened to go digging this morning. Uh, I just basically I had a little bit of time before the baseball game. Was making some notes out for the pod and everything, and I was going through there. And I just happened to see that. And I was like, man, no, come on, dude. I got to call this. And I hope, look, Brad Teague, the athletic director at UCA, I know him personally. and He's an incredible guy, done a great job, especially with what he was able to do with football during the fall. I hope and I would imagine that he probably sent him something, uh, you would think. Or at least they, they probably had some words, whether it be professionally or not. But, yeah, just, uh, just, just absolutely ridiculous there. But. Well, guys, we hit almost an hour here. Uh, a lot of good stuff, of course, man. Just continuously exciting times for the Razorbacks. The hockey team, I, I don't think they're finished. I think they have one more weekend series, but they're 11, 12, and 0 right now. I've been meaning to text their coach to get some stats, but they had senior night and won 8 to 1, 8 to 2, something around there. And so hockey continues to win. Porter softball's on a 19 game win streak, isn't that what we had said? 19 games yeah. and just yeah, rolling right along. Uh, swept swept South Carolina. I know we talked about this at the top of the show, but swept South Carolina. And then was it track and field that got – I know they got indoor the SEC. Track and field, yep. Yeah. The women's track and field got the national championship. They they beat Texas A&M in the, in, to win the national title. So, yeah, another another trophy case. They're going to have to go to, um, you know, Ikea or, or one of them big chain stores to get a new uh, trophy case to hold yeah. all the track and pottery barn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, we just I, – I, we do not – and I'm not talking about – you two guys, I'm saying the general Razorback fan base, we just, I don't think we understand how truly blessed we are right now, not just with what the basketball team is doing, the things that we see covered on TV, national TV all the time. Yeah, that's all great and dandy, but to have the number one baseball team in the country, to have probably a top 10 softball, I know they're not ranked there, but probably a top 10 softball team along with all the other sports, the way that football is looking up, the fact that we are having spring practice right now, um, just man, I, I'm I'm completely just beyond thankful with uh, what, and I know you guys are too. I know everybody is, but I say all that to say, and I'll try to remind on Friday's show. It won't it won't really matter, uh, depending on who you're talking to on social media or whoever those keyboard warriors. But no matter what happens in the NCAA tournament, I understand that it's going to be a disappointment for a lot of us if they don't get to the second weekend. But just the fact that we're here and we didn't even get that opportunity last year, uh, we talk about it all the time, but we just can't say it enough, and so. Guys, uh, you know, it's just really, really, really great stuff. So, but that will do it for this episode of the Hog Talk. Again, if you have not already, please be sure and subscribe. We appreciate all the feedback that we've gotten so far. You guys are just absolutely amazing. But other than that, for Porter Hayes, Kevin Bohannon, my name's Kyle Sutherland. We will see you Friday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.